Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was their pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. So get ready for Pride. It's time for... I never saw that. Hi, we're back. Again this week, we're releasing two episodes in a really short period of time because we're struggling lately to get episodes out. So you get a bonus episode this week Yeah. on 1996's Watermelon Woman. Um, yeah, thank you for being patient with us. Uh, we appreciate it. And yes, this is our third film that we are covering in the month of June, which, as you all know, is Pride Month. Yay, Pride. Yep. So we're doing all queer-themed stuff. This movie, Watermelon Woman, is just a delightful little movie. And it was. I had never heard of it, I don't think, until... I hadn't heard of it either. I don't think I was quite its target demographic. Well, True, yeah. Teen boys. Yeah. But it was suggested by a friend of ours. It was mentioned by a friend, yes, and I had looked it up. It came up in a search that I did mm. about like queer, queerness and queer film from this time period that has some representation of mm, yeah. <laughs> people that aren't always represented. So are we getting into this right now? I feel well, like you probably are going to interrupt me. have something we have to do first. Me. Okay. Um, so here's where we'll insert the um, the song. We'll insert. Yeah, we'll insert the song that I wrote for... So we'll take all this out and edit it all out, but this will be the song introducing. Okay. And I'll just do this as a placeholder, you know? Yeah, go ahead. That's a drum oh. roll. Okay. See you in the funny papers. Okay. And like a hi-hat thing, like a, you know? Yeah. Room check. That was great. Is that what it's called? That was super good. All right. So Jen's probably going to make fun of me, but I'm pretty sure I got this right. We're on um, August 19th, 1994. Yes. Currently. And I'm going to do a fan favorite. By the way, in case you don't know why we're doing the dates we're doing, if you haven't been listening (laughs) to every episode, the first time Micah did this, the first time we did this segment was, uh, he, he did August 16th. 1994, because that's the day I arrived in Montana. Mm-hmm. So we're now on the fourth day that I was in Montana. So we're just going day by day. Yeah, the fourth day of the comics that she missed out on. Yes. While right. she was in Montana. At this point, I had missed, I had already missed three days mm-hmm. of comics. Quarantined from newspapers of any yeah. kind. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going to do one. It's a big one. I don't know if you're ready for this. You said fan favorite. Can I guess? Well, by fan favorite, I didn't mean. <laughs> Any of our fans. <laughs> what did whose fans did you mean? Well, I meant um, a fan favorite, like fans of this comic. Mm. <laughs> I don't think. Okay, well, just I don't think that you need to say fan favorite if you're only referring to the fans of the thing that you're. Because they're already fans. It's implied. you know what I mean. Yeah, because like guess. I think when you say fan favorite uh-huh. on our podcast, what it what it suggests to mm-hmm. me. Uh, and I can't speak for listeners, obviously, but I what it suggests to me is that our listeners, yeah, like fans of this this podcast, I get where you're going. Um, 
enjoy it. But yeah. that's not what you're saying. You're well, saying I think it is also what I'm saying because if you if you made a Venn diagram of fans of this podcast and uh-huh. fans of this comic, it'd just be one big circle. Because okay. everybody loves this comic. Oh, oh, every- it's one of the old classics. It's Garfield. Okay. I'm just gonna end the tension right <laughs> yeah, now and just lay you. it out there. So we're doing a Great. Garfield comic. Super. The description of the comic, it's a three panel Garfield comic. And in all of them, I'm just going to get this out of the way. He's standing on his scale. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he's, you just went for the, f- well, the fat no, phobic. Well, no, he's been doing this. I've checked the other ones and they've all had comments about him being a fat cat because mm-hmm. that's kind of the standard kind Garfield of Garfield's joke. thing. Yeah. Um, this one doesn't specifically deal with that. So that's why I decided, okay, finally, we got one. There's a scale involved, but it's not fat phobic. So okay. um, he's standing on his scale. And uh, this is a full color one, which is cool. Oh, I bet. Which is yeah. weird for a Friday. I can imagine. So it was a I, Friday. I can but. just only imagine mm-hmm. uh, because, once again, I don't have access right. to the visual only of I do. this visual You're medium. just like our listeners right now. Mm-hmm. You just have to listen to me paint a picture. Yep. Um, or draw a comic okay. in your mind. Yep. Uh, so Garfield, he's an orange cat with black stripes on his back, <laughs> um, like black triangles that are made of stripes. I always thought that was interesting. Um, I could talk about that more if you That's want okay. me to. That's okay. No, I, we good? I think okay. we got it. Yeah, yeah. So he he is just, you know, he has those big eyes, heavy lids, and they are just low. He's looking sad. He is not happy. He's standing on his little electronic scale that talks. And he thinks, because Garfield doesn't talk in the comic, he thinks, but the scale can understand him somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, he says... Go ahead. Give me the truth. I can take it. Then the mm-hmm. next panel, his eyes are really big. He's surprised. Uh-huh. It's a surprised look. The scale says, Earth's orbit around the sun is slowly deteriorating. One day, we'll fall to a fiery demise. He's just shocked by that. And he says, in the next comic, he's back to his angry look with the heavy lids. And he says, not that truth. So then the scale replies. Here it comes. You ready? The scale replies. Your sister has mange. There it is. That was it. So sorry about that. That one didn't have as much um, visual kind of variety to yeah. to, dis- to talk about. But I felt like... It also like... didn't have... Uh, what I noticed mm-hmm. that it, it... Wait, can it, I finish what I'm going to say first? It very Because I think what you're going to say... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The opposite of what I was going to say. That's what I was thinking. I was well, going to say it had a really strong joke structure. Okay, well, that's fine. You can say that. In that there were words that it was an attempt at a joke. And I would like to say now my thing, which is that um, I find it very noticeable how, and I think this is kind of cool. You know, I think Jim Davis was really doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't even mention he was Jim Davis. Like, you just know. He was kind of like doing his You're own thing. Fan, aren't you? Do you want to let me finish? He was a real like. Maverick, you know, Hmm, doing his own thing. And so what he has done is made it very, very unfunny. Is he a Maverick, though? I mean, just based on the four comics I've read thus far. Well, I'm just saying that this wasn't funny. None of them were funny, is what I'm saying. the point of what I was getting at Mm -hmm. really was like how how deeply like unfunny that was. Yeah, that was bad. Garfield's face, I just do want to point out, just the heavy lids and the upset look. Kind of, it's how I feel after reading this comic. I'm right there with Garfield. I feel that same way. I think all the readers, 
I think all our listeners probably feel that way. You definitely, you look like Garfield right now to me. You just look kind of upset. I think Jim Davis <laughs> even felt that way after submitting this comic on August 19th, just, 1994. I'd like to dig into it a little bit. Um, Would you? Well, I just don't get it, is the thing. Like, I don't get, I don't get it. It's not funny. I don't so get nothing. it at all. No, but I don't get it. Okay. You know what I mean? It's not just, well. like, okay. I don't get why. He gets on the scale no, and no, he no, says, no, no, give no. me the... Why did he write those words? You know what I mean? There it, there were others mm-hmm. he could have chosen. Like something that would have seemed relevant to the comic or this character, this beloved character that mm-hmm. everyone already had known for decades or however long. The thing that I know that you don't is I read all the other comics this week that had come out because I've been looking at them and they're all scale jokes. It's all him. So we're at Friday now. And Jim Wait. Davis decided Garfield's going to get on a scale all week and he's going to, the scale's going to make cracks about his weight and we're going to do things. I think we're at Friday and he's used all the fat jokes he can think of, which is saying something for Jim Davis. He, this is where he's at. He's like, uh, I have to, I have to flip it now and have the scale say something that you're not expecting. So you, ch- okay. So mm-hmm. again, let me just, in case people don't remember last week's or just actually a few days ago when the, our Priscilla mm-hmm. episode came out. Yes. We did a uh, Kathy comic. Mm-hmm, by Kathy Guy's White. Yeah. Such a weird coincidence. I know. And um, you chose that one, which was, in that comic, it made reference to a book that was outdated at the time. Mm-hmm. Or like, was old at the time. Yes. Not old, but, you know, had come out probably a decade before. I'm sorry, before. can I just do this thing? No. We'll insert it before you, you say this. Previously on Seeing the Funny Papers. Okay, continue. We'll just put that in front. <laughs> okay. So I'm just saying. So you chose that one, and it had a. It was. It's already 25 years old, mm-hmm. and it also had something that was like sort of outdated book, yeah. at the time. And so now this week, what you've done is you've chosen a comic that actually had context throughout the week, but mm-hmm. you didn't choose to share that context with me. Right. I felt that this joke in this one was strong enough. It's timeless, it just stood if on you will. It's, it's timeless. Um, yeah. Well, it is timeless in mm-hmm. that it is nothing. Right. It's never relevant to anything. It is nothing and not, is what it is. It's not necessary to ever repeat it or talk about it on a podcast. It's the most nothing. It's actually making me angry. This, is, this one's making me angrier than the other ones. Again, you look like Garfield does. Yeah, I, I feel like Garfield does. Well, <laughs> thanks for that, I guess, Micah. Um, yeah, I'm here, you know, to serve. I'm not. I guess I'm just going to be done asking people to complain about this segment because... Every time I do that, it backfires. They love and it. what we get is one tweet from <laughs> someone who loves it. And uh, and we love you. Well, I we love say, our fans. So. I appreciate the encouragement. So thank you. It really made my day when I got that tweet. Yeah. Laura is mm-hmm. the person who thank sent you, that. Thank you, Laura. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on the thank you, but I'm going to just acknowledge, like, I'm just going to say we love our fans and we love hearing from our fans. All right. I would like to hear maybe some different kinds of things from our fans. You know what I mean? Like, I'd like to shake it up, like Mm. hear what people are thinking about, you know, like for example, you know, like, hey, I don't like the comic thing. (laughs) I mean, just as an example, like that's just off the top of my head. Uh So anyway, let's get into Watermelon Woman. Let's do it. As I was saying, uh, I'm, I'm really excited that we watched this because it is something that I, I'm guessing a lot of our listeners haven't heard of mm-hmm. and i had never heard of and uh, it's a little indie 
film. Yes, very independent very film. Very indie. It has a very indie film feeling. And you got to give it a chance. You'll get into it. Because I initially, when it first started, I was like, oh, this is going to be this is gonna be rough. Yeah, it has that. Uh, I, I actually, when it started, had like a sort of like an affectionate feeling toward it. Because it has a very specifically 90s indie film mm-hmm. feel. It's very awkward. At times, like the dialogue is very awkward yeah. and the sound is a little... There's a lot of acting. Weird. And it's like, but I, I actually really, I really enjoyed that because it really felt... Authentic. Yeah, it did. Of and the time. Yeah. And especially because the movie is, it's it's very meta, this movie, because mm-hmm. it's about a woman. It's about a black woman making a movie about a black woman. And it's very specifically about black women, about black queer women, mm-hmm. which I thought was really, really cool. And I mean, I explicitly as in, so the woman who stars in this and directed it, Cheryl. Cheryl Dunier. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but they say her name's Cheryl and Cheryl, the character's name is also Cheryl Yeah, in the movie. Yeah, but she says like, we are never represented. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give us some... Usually your like your area is sort of like facts about stuff and maybe some of the actors. Do you have any of that? I don't have or? a whole lot of it. I think, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe this was her first film. Mm-hmm. She did go on to direct some other films, a few other films and some TV episodes of TV shows and stuff. Guinevere Turner plays Dana in the film and she is a white woman who Cheryl has a relationship with in the movie uh-huh. and she is she was the screenwriter for american psycho and oh. the notorious betty page oh interesting um, she was also she starred in a 1996 film i believe or no 94 film go fish i'm not sure about the date on that one. Oh yeah another one yeah. another queer film that maybe we'll do that one next week i'm not sure i haven't looked into it but um and she yeah so she's acted in some have other i things seen too. her in other things though because i've never seen the Big Fish. Go Fish. I'm sorry. Big I've Fish never is a seen... Tim Burton movie that we will not be watching or talking about ever again no. on this podcast. I I haven't seen Go Fish. I haven't either. And I don't... But she, I, what I was trying to say I is didn't she, recognize her, but... she looked familiar to me. Yeah. But I think she also kind of looks like, um, oh man, Sherilyn Fenn to oh, me. Oh yeah. She has a little bit of the eyes, her eyes. She looks, she has, she looks like mm-hmm. her to me. Anyway. Also starring Valerie Walker plays Tamara and Lisa Marie Bronson stars as Faye Richardson, I believe is one of the names she uses or the watermelon woman, the titular yes. watermelon woman. Yeah. Titular. Yes. I love that word, you know, because it always sounds dirty, mm-hmm. but it's not dirty at all. And like there's nothing. In this movie it's appropriate. There's nothing dirty about it at all about that word or what it means, but it starts with tit. Mm-hmm. Speaking of tit. <laughs> <laughs> there was some sex in this movie. There was a sex scene. There was a sex scene. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good sex scene. Yeah. What I my note on it was uh, a lot of tongue and and nipples. I noticed a lot of tongue a as well. A lot of tongue there and a lot, a lot of nipples of, in the sex scene. The yeah. kissing was very tongue. Oh yeah, there was a lot of a lot of tongue play. A lot of tongue. A lot of <laughs> full extended tongues. Uh-huh. Like apparently that's how lesbians kiss. Is what I took away from it. Yeah, that's good that you took that mm-hmm. away. I think that that's good. I think it's good for <sighs> dudes like you. Mm-hmm. You know, who are very simple. To take things away I think away that like you that. should really just mm-hmm. probably generalize right. every group of people based on 
one thing you see. That's what I got from that scene. Good. That's what I would have gotten from it as a young boy had I seen this film. Do you think so? Really? Probably. I would have thought, oh. You would have been like, whoa, lesbians love tongue. kiss like that? Maybe I should... (laughs) They know, I mean, they're women. They know what women like. So maybe that's how I should switch up my game and start <laughs> kissing like that. But they did. They were kissing a lot like that with their, these tongues, like, t- touching and licking each other. And then they, like, kind of laughed about it a little bit. They were playing. It was their first time yeah. having sex. And it was. No, it was sweet. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But there were also a lot of nipples. I don't know if a you heard me say that. Yeah. But since I see it, it was a good transition because mm-hmm. we were just talking about titular. Yes. And so I just wanted to make sure. Everyone, everyone noticed on that my, journey. my transition mm-hmm. that I made. Anyway, speaking of tits, again, <laughs> why don't you talk about Faye Richardson? Okay. Give us a little synopsis. Give us the premise of this So the premise movie. of this film is that Cheryl works at a video store with mm-hmm. Tamara. They, own, they also own a company where they do videography for weddings and events and stuff like that. But Cheryl's always wanting to use the equipment that they kind of own together. I think they're like partners. She wants to use it for her film. Um, But she doesn't know what her film is going to be yet at Mm -hmm. the beginning of the movie. But she's really into representation and historical She knew she wanted it to be about a black woman. And I think she's specifically a queer black woman, right? Did she say that? Well, I don't know that she knew she was... She may not have said queer. Queer at the beginning of the journey. Yeah, Um, I guess So she sees this actress in this, this actor in this film called Plantation Memories. Thank you, yeah. Oof. Hi, I'm Cheryl, and I'm a filmmaker. Uh, Nah, I'm not really a filmmaker, but I have a videotaping business with my friend Tamara, and I work at a video store, so I'm working on being a filmmaker. The problem is I don't know what I want to make a film on. I know it has to be about black women because our stories have never been told. So I've been renting movies. No, I haven't been renting movies, but I get movies from the video store that I work at. And I've taken all these films out from the 30s and 40s with black actresses in them, like um, Hattie McDaniel and Louise Beavers. And um, in these films, in some of the films, the black actresses aren't even listed in the credits. And I was just totally shocked by that. So in this one film that came into the store, Plantation Memories, I saw the most beautiful black mammy named Elsie. Yeah. So it's not a real film. It, yeah, It was no. created for this, and they do a lot of, which I thought they did really well. There's a lot of... Like clips? Clips of this clips of the old, old movie. Film. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all black and white, and it's very, like, blown out, mm-hmm. and it looks... It looks pretty good, and the acting's over the top, just like you'd oh, see. Oh, I looked like, up. Th- I looked it up. Yeah, I did too. I was like, okay, I need to know. Is this? Yeah, I'm like, how that's much not of this real... is real? Is any yeah. of this real? And yeah, none of it was. Uh, which is, I mean, in some ways, comforting, but it's not like the stuff that was actually out there was any better. Was it right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it's they do a good job of showing clips of it, and so she sees this woman, and she's really into this character, and she's credited in the film as. The watermelon woman. She it's so Cheryl's like she doesn't even get named. Her name's not even right. in it. What the hell? Who is this woman? And she finds her in some other films, but nobody knows who she is. She can't find much about her later life after she was out of film. So that's what she decides to make the movie about. She yeah. decides to find the watermelon woman, and strangely enough, she finds out that she is from Philadelphia, which Wait. is where the movie is set. Okay, quick question. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a scene in the movie in Plantation Memories that she specific she was specifically drawn to? I feel like there was one scene in the movie that we saw 
a few times. Well, yeah, because they what just made she that d- Where she said scene. something specific, though. She was talking to a white woman about how she saw her her lover or her the man she's like pining for leave, but he said he was going to come back for her or something. And it's oh. just the way she's like leaning up against a tree. And hmm. so in her research, she finds out that her she interviews her own mother, who used to go to clubs in Philadelphia. The timeline was really confusing to me. I don't know when this movie was supposed to be set, but her own mother was going to was... clubs in the thirties. Oh, and I thought I it was, was supposed to be the nineties, but the age of these people. But anyway, in their in this universe that mm-hmm, they've created, mm-hmm. um, she used to go to clubs like dance clubs with singers in the thirties, and one of her friends remembers Faye Richardson, the mm-hmm. singer who was mm-hmm. a club singer, and it's the Watermelon Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she then later finds out that the director of the film Plantation Memories was a white woman. Mm-hmm. Who was queer and they were in a relationship together. Faye, yeah, right. The water. Faye and, yeah. What, whatever. Faye is her actual name. I yeah. guess we could use that name. Um, because uh, part of the whole point of this is that because she was a black unnamed. woman, she no had no actual name. Right. Did we ever find out why Watermelon Woman? I don't remember that clearly, but. Was it a racist stereotype? Like. Well, I'm sure it was like playing on that or. But I don't, I don't remember them clearly explaining that. I may have missed. I So bit. I thought. At first, well, I wasn't sure. It was it was confusing to me a little bit, like what, who they exactly were talking about. Because for a little while to me, I was thinking, oh, are they saying that every black woman who appeared in these was old called the watermelon. movies right, was right, right. called, like they just called every black woman watermelon woman? Or, it, or was it a specific person? And it turned out it was a specific person, yeah, right? It was Faye Richardson. It was she took just on Faye that Richardson. Name for these movies, and I think they did explain that she was in other movies later. That they called them like race films, where it was all like the directors and the production company, and all the actors were black. Yeah. And there was a production company in Philadelphia that they talked about called Liberty Pictures, I think, that was all these race films, and she was in those after. And so maybe she used, uh, or maybe she was in those before. She used like the watermelon woman as like a pseudonym. Oh, because oh, she didn't want to be associated she... with these plantation movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She also went by Faith Richards, I think, when she was a, or Faith Richardson and Faye Richards were her names. Oh, but she used one of those when she was a club singer and one when she was an actor. I don't know. But it it was interesting because it is very meta. It's like a film within a film. Well, and some of the interviews are real. That's the other thing is that she had. I was like, is this real or is this person playing a part? Because she interviewed some actual people who, like uh, Camille Camille Paglia, who's a like a feminist professor. Yeah, feminist in quotation oh, marks. But wow. She's a, I she did not. That part does not hold up well. Right. That interview looked Ooh. bad. Well, uh, actually, the mammy figure um, is a great favor of mine, particularly Hattie McDaniel's uh, brilliant performance in, in Gone with the Wind. I, I really am distressed with a lot of the tone of recent uh, African-American scholarship. Uh, it tries to say about the mammy that um, that her, her largeness of figure is desexualizing, uh, degrading, dehumanizing, um, and this seems to me so utterly wrong. Where the large woman is a symbol of, uh, of abundance and fertility is a kind of 
a goddess figure. Uh, even the, the presence of the mammy in the kitchen, it seems to me, has been misinterpreted. Uh, oh, the woman in the kitchen is a slave, a, a servant, a subordinate. Well, my grandmothers, my Italian grandmothers, never left the kitchen. In fact, this is why I dedicated my first book to them. And 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 Hattie McDaniel and Gone with the Wind is a spitting image of my of my grandmother in her in her style and her attitude, her ferocity, and so on. It brings tears to my eyes. The watermelon seems to me an, another image that has been misinterpreted by by a lot of uh, black commentary. Woof. Some of her. All I wrote down is woof, Camille, Paglia. She's just telling like black people they're wrong about. Yeah, that's how it felt to me. I mean, this is a this is a white woman that yeah. we're talking about, and um, and then we looked her up and, and found out she's a turf, and she's like a libertarian fake feminist. Oh, oh I forgot. Yeah, that. she's Jesus. not. Yeah, she's not. She's bad. She's bad news, and so I'm not sure if it was weird if Cheryl had her in there. If she, because if was she progressive at the time? Like, did Cheryl admire her work, and that's why she was there, or was it showing? Like, this is people's attitudes. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, it's very unclear to me, but it was clearly a real... She was saying Yeah, I don't know how things. much of it was scripted, because she talked about the watermelon woman, and she said, like, I don't know who that was, so maybe they, they just asked her about it and got her to do a real interview, and it wasn't scripted. Maybe those were her real reactions. The other interviews, I think, that were in there were actors playing those characters. Yeah. So I think but they did, that they was the felt only... very real. Right. Like, even the one with her mom mm-hmm. felt really real. And that might have been her real mom. I'm not sure. I meant to look that up. Because it was like... It was funny. It was not polished. I mean, that's... A, and that's this whole movie is... It's very not polished. Which, you know, partially I think was in an intended aesthetic, but also probably they didn't have a very big yeah. budget for this but movie. But it fits for the documentary within the film about yes. another film. Yes. Um, I... The one interview I really liked was at during her research at one point she goes to New York City to do research at the Center for Lesbian Information and Technology mm-hmm. or CLIT <laughs> which is a collective <laughs> and they're everything's anonymous because they they want to like embrace the sisterhood and protect your sisters and so they're taking video and taking pictures of these photos they find of of Faye Richards and the woman keeps coming over and saying, can you stop? I told you, you can't take pictures of that. and You have to stop. You know, you have to protect their anonymity because they weren't out and it was a different time and all the, and oh. that woman is so funny. She's the one that was talking about how it's a collective that's anonymous and it's, it's all about it just the things she was saying were supposed to be over the top and, mm-hmm. and silly. It was really, that part was good. Yeah. So yeah, Cheryl and Tamara, they're like best Friends, they work mm-hmm. at the video store together. So who's the cutie? Some customer. She's got a nice bone structure if you're into white girls. Who do you think she is or isn't in the family? Tamara, why are you always constantly clacking women? We're lesbians, remember Cheryl? We're into female-to-female attraction. Uh, Cheryl starts dating a white woman in the movie, and it is definitely an issue. It's an issue for mm-hmm. Tamara. Okay, we've been going out for a while now, and I don't even have a key to a place. Really? Yeah. Diana gave me the keys to her place last week. I did not invite you over here to talk about your wannabe black girlfriend. <laughs> Tamara, Diana doesn't want to be black. I mean, I'm getting into her. Can't you see that? All I see is that once again, you were going out with a white girl acting like she wants to be black, and you were being a black girl acting like she wanted to be white. I mean, what's up with you, Cheryl? You don't like the color of your skin nowadays? Tamara, I'm black. I mean, who's to say that dating somebody white doesn't make me black? I mean, who's to say anything about who I fuck in the goddamn first place, okay? Which is in parallel with Faye Richards' story. Yeah. She's dating yes. this white female director. Right. Yeah, and it, it was 
it was really interesting to see all of that play out. And so I just want to quickly, though, go back to talking about the watermelon woman and black women specifically being represented and the fact that she didn't even, she wasn't even given a Mm -hmm. name. Like, I just want to touch on the concept of intersectionality for a second, because I think that it's really difficult for a lot of people to understand why that's important, particularly a lot of white women have a hard time with this concept. Mm Mm-hmm. That it that why do we have to make it about race? Why does race? Why can't we just be women? Why can't mm-hmm. we just? We're all women. We we're all, all women. Are don't divide in the same us. Way. Don't divide us. Yeah. And the thing about it is that so intersectionality is a term that was coined by a black woman named Kimberly Crenshaw in the in the nineties. In the nineties, you don't know. Anyway, and it it just means that some people have more than one oppressed identity. Mm-hmm. And that oppression just compounds. And if you look at just the whole idea of representation, being a black woman, it's hard enough to be represented at all. And But being a queer black woman, you now have these two, mm-hmm. well, actually three. You've got you're a woman, you're a black, black. woman, and you're queer. Like, these, this is what intersectionality is about. I just want to put that out there because I feel like people have a hard time with that concept. And I think, like... If you're a white woman, yeah, you you experience a certain type of oppression. You are also an oppressor, mm-hmm. which to me means we have this kind of unique opportunity to use the privilege that we have. Mm-hmm. But what most people do instead is get defensive and decide to deny the fact that we even have privilege and that that there is such a thing as intersectionality, right? right? And I just wish we would stop fucking doing that. Black and white. I just want us to stop fucking doing that. Yeah. I think this movie for to come out in nineteen ninety six and deal with those issues Explicitly is pretty interesting too. I think for nineteen ninety six I'm not surprised that a lot of people haven't seen it. I'm sure it didn't get huge distribution mm-hmm. at the time. Well, it's obviously like we have said a million times now, it's a very small indie mm-hmm. film with a not a big budget. But I think it was huge to people at that time who were being represented yeah. in this way yeah. on screen for the oh, first can you time. Imagine? And it talks about that explicitly. Yes. And, yes. and in a really interesting that. way. I thought it was really well done and it doesn't feel like a gimmick and it doesn't feel like they're leaning on it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are parallels. It was really well done. Um, yeah. And th- there was a scene where Cheryl, she keeps watching this one scene over and over of the way that the watermelon woman talks is really intriguing to her. And she's also like, she is fine. This woman, like, I'm into her. She's beautiful. She's a great actress. I'm really into this. Oh, don't cry, Missy. Master Charles is coming back for sure. I know he is. Do you really think so, Elsie? Oh, yes, Missy Barbara, I know he is. I prayed to God all night long. And this morning, his little angel told me that he was coming back. Back to you. As it's playing on the TV next to her, she like mouths along and acts mm-hmm. like she's her. And then there's a scene later where you're looking at photos of Faye Richardson or Faye Richards um, as the watermelon woman and then as a singer in these like fancy dresses. And then you're looking at all these pictures of her that they're showing really quickly and they keep showing Cheryl too, looking through them. And then there's a picture that looked mm-hmm. like it was Cheryl dressed up as Faye Richards, like it was one of the old, they just mixed that in and it was yeah. really subtle. And for a moment, I thought, 
wait, is she playing that character too? Because they hadn't shown her that clearly yet yeah. on screen. It was like these old grainy film clips. So they played with that a little bit, which I thought was yeah interesting and well That's done. Cool. And it didn't feel like they were shoving it in your face or making it like... You mean the parallel yeah. thing. Not that it's about representing queer black women <laughs> no but that's what it's about is <laughs> no it's about, i know but i'm just saying i'm trying to clarify yeah. that you're not saying they didn't shove it in your face no like, right they didn't shove in your face this like film device or plot device this this gimmick or this yeah that people use a lot thing where, that they're that mm-hmm. they're trying to do mm-hmm. they made it obvious but they didn't do it over and over and over and make it cheesy yeah i took a note about a white guy at karaoke who was really mm. funny yeah, the whole karaoke scene was really funny hard. and painful. So get on up on the floor, cause we're gonna boogie, oogie, oogie, till you just can't boogie no more. Uh, he was just like this little nerdy white guy. Well, that's the beginning of the, so Tamara and her partner hook up. Stacy. Stacy hook up Cheryl with um, their friend from college, Miss Yvette. Mm-hmm. They all go out to a karaoke place, um, and then funny. Miss Yvette gets up to do "Love and You," mm-hmm. and it's painful. It's very bad. It's, it's so bad. Oh, right! But she wants to be like a singer or yeah, something, she or she thinks singer. she's a performer. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, it is. It's very funny. It's, it's a great. very funny scene, but it's like, yeah, it's very uh, so hard to watch. Also, very cringy. And it's it was funny to me though too that they would set Cheryl up with this person who mm-hmm. seems so clearly wrong, <laughs> you know? Like I, just I like didn't, delusional and superficial. I and didn't not, know if like Tamara yeah. was messing with her because it didn't seem like she was. It seemed like she no. just really wanted to find her. I mean, and maybe part of it too was like I want to find her a black woman specifically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was that part was very it was very funny. I thought. I also liked at the very end of the film that during the credits, it gets really weird because they start rolling the credits for the film we're watching. Mm-hmm. And then they put these shots of Cheryl talking about the story of Faye Richards and how she's going to tell it now. And here's my documentary, basically. Even though we've been watching clips of her making the documentary and clips of the documentary, and then it tells the story and she shows it. And then she talks some more to the camera, and then it does credits of the documentary within the credits of the film Mm -hmm. that we're watching. I liked that a lot. Yeah. So they had fun with that. Yeah. It's a strange and delightful little movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I only say little because it really was... It feels little. It It feels like an independent film. Yeah, it just really has that... I'm trying to think of another film to compare it to. Well, they mentioned... Spike Lee in the film, they talk about he came to our college one time and mm-hmm. was shooting on campus and we were trying to, Miss Yvette was trying to get noticed to be a singer mm-hmm. um, by him. And <laughs> our, their friends are sing. just, her friends oh, are rolling so their eyes. Bad. Like, God, she was so bad. Um, <laughs> but she brings it up as if she's proud and it was like a missed opportunity for Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. And they're just laughing at her. But it has that feeling a little bit. Like they like a Spike Lee movie? Just the indie part, like his early films mm-hmm. that were looser and... Yeah, and with that leaves some awkwardness in there. Mm-hmm. That leaves some... Like, it's it's more intimate because it leaves that awkwardness in there. And it leaves... 
pauses in conversations yeah. that and and it has really... a feeling of like improvisation almost sometimes like bottle rocket is another one that kind of has some of that it's more about these people playing off of each other you can tell that it's not a huge big budget film it doesn't have all this polish i don't actually remember a whole lot about the plot itself there isn't a ton of i mean like, we basically said it like she makes this she's making a documentary and that's the main plot but then there's also her relationship with this woman with mm-hmm. with this white woman how it affects her relationship with her friend um, and tamara is not down Tamara's with it. not she into points it, out no. that like her previous girlfriends were also black they find out later and tamara's like well that's a problem mm-hmm. and it kind of comes out later that she's a little bit She's not aware. This white woman is not aware at all of... Do they break up in yeah, the end? Yeah, they do at the end. Okay. It's not really shown, but she just kind of leaves. And then she says, Cheryl says at the end of the documentary part, that like, well, so this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. We're not a thing anymore. Yeah. I think with that also, you were saying like this white woman who isn't aware. I think that the the real issue is, well, it's being unaware of how much simpler things are for you. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, and that's just, that's, I mean, I thought her character was fine. She's not like unlikable or anything. She's likable and whatever, but there is like a very, they have, there's like a dinner scene where they have dinner with Tamara and Stacy and she's talking about something that like traveling or Mm -hmm. something. And she's just kind of clueless about the fact that not everyone experiences the world Mm -hmm. the way she does. And, or has the same opportunities she has. Like she's And she doesn't she's get it when unaware other of people that. at the table don't have anything to offer to that conversation or are yeah. interested in talking about that. And right. she's just clueless. Yeah, there's a lot of weird tension in that scene because Tamara clearly doesn't like her mm-hmm. and Cheryl is defensive because she's in this new yeah, relationship. Yeah, Cheryl's trying really hard to be like, Yeah. She's great though. Yeah. And yeah, it's... It's a tough scene, but I also, I, I I appreciated it because I think it's probably very real, you know, for a lot of people. I think that it's, it, like, it makes sense to me that Tamara would be wary of this person, mm-hmm. you know, this, this white woman that she doesn't know. Like, if, anyway, so. Speaking of representation, I also thought it was interesting that in this film, there there's a white woman who's one of, um, she's a big character. There are two men that are have any significant like, speaking roles at all. Oh, the the manager the of the... The manager of the video store, and he's mm-hmm. kind of a, a dipshit. Yeah. Um, and he's, like, kind of gross, total dipshit, and he's an and asshole. He's, and he, he's like, hits on everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the only other one is this guy that Cheryl interviews, who is, like, a film buff. He has kind of his own museum in his house of all these old... He talks about the race films a lot and the uh-huh. Liberty Productions and he has all these posters and all these films. He's never heard of The Watermelon Woman, of course. Right. And, so like a film scholar yeah. has never heard of it because she was a black woman. And he's kind of condescending to Cheryl mm-hmm. and Rude and and doesn't really get what they're doing and he just wants to talk about his own shit. So the guys are like, mm-hmm. they're presented how guys treat, <laughs> like how men treat women. And yeah, then there was one white woman. There was there well, were a few other people that were on screen and talked and stuff, but they weren't major characters at all. I also think I mean I, I think it's I think it's more than than like this is how men treat women. It's I think it's more just very intentionally not about them. Right. Yeah. I, I, they were I tiny characters and they were just this is how they were presented and I thought I felt like it was accurate. Yeah. 
I don't right, but feel I'm just like it saying, was a negative. Yeah, exactly. I no. don't I don't get the feeling that it was well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the intentions what her intentions were in making it, but but yeah, that's how I felt was yes, these guys are like clueless and kind of assholes, but that is mostly to serve the main purpose of this, which is right. <laughs> that it's not about them. They weren't put in there. They weren't like used as plot devices and they weren't put in there to make some big point they were just they moved the story along sure in their own way and that's just how they were but it, you're right that's they the biggest were, thing that i wanted that i felt too was that it wasn't about them it was about these black women these they black were women. there in the way that a black woman might be represented often in film mm-hmm. i think that's kind of like we don't we don't have a lot more to say about this movie it's i think it's delightful um i enjoyed it a lot I, I recommend it. Yes, I, definitely. You know, we we are out of our lane. But I thought it was great. It was really well done. And like I said, if you watch the first 20 minutes, it's a little different than a lot of films you see now. It's not as polished, and it can be a little off-putting with some of the acting and the, the line reading, because it feels like line well, reading, just, but you, you totally get used to it. Yeah, and, and you know what you're getting into as soon as it starts. You know? Yeah, and the characters, I thought, were were pretty well developed by the end of the film. I felt like I knew who they were and I cared about them. And I, yeah. At the beginning, I was worried, like, I'm not going to be able to get into this. But no, they were great. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. And I can't believe I'd never heard of it until I know. I mean, last week, that's, basically. Not, that's not cool. Yeah. So everybody <laughs> People go should hear of and watch Woman. this movie. Yes. Yeah, totally. For sure. We haven't talked about Montana in a while. No, we haven't. So you got there in August of 1994, as we've discussed a few times. Was it, um, was it hot when you got there? Not really. What's it like in Montana in August? Is it humid? No. No? Montana it's is... dry. The weather is very unpredictable and can change at any moment. It gets hot. It, can't, it gets hot in the summer, but there's also always the chance that it will snow mm. in any month. So... And you were up in the mountains, too. I, don't know. I was wearing like a t-shirt and shorts, I think, when I got there. And we were outside for groups, so it must have been warm-ish. Spandex shorts, maybe? Nope. Nope, it was past the that The day time. I got there. The day I got there, why would I have been wearing spandex shorts? That was like a style. That was younger. Oh, that's that was earlier, back but... in okay. like fourth grade. <laughs> um, I, did, I was just thinking, though, about just about queerness and Montana. Mm-hmm. And... How and we've we talked to my friend Sarah Fontana who guested with us on the episode that was kind of about the mask. I mean, yeah, like <laughs> it was a, it was about our experience in Montana a lot more than it was about the mask, which sucks. <laughs> um, worst movie in the world, but I think that it I, it's interesting thinking about queerness now. In Montana, it's also interesting for me personally because I I just feel I've talked about this a little bit before that I feel very strongly that my development was stilted mm-hmm. because of this experience. Is that the right word? Stunted. Stunted, but what? But arrested. But not exactly arrested. Like I mm-hmm. think I think it was altered in such a way that I was not able to. I was not given the chance to figure out who I actually was Mm -hmm. from ages 16 to 18. And so with something like queerness that I, I hadn't really 
I had thought about it a little bit because I had friends who were like bisexual and, but I wasn't, I never thought of myself that way. And I, I do think if I would have stayed in Olympia that that would have been different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for, for people who were queer and knew that they were queer, I don't know how that experience was. I think I had one of my very close friends was a lesbian who I think it was fine. Like, I don't think they gave her a hard time about it. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess the other part of it is like sexual, anything sexual, including masturbation and stuff was prohibited, right? So... Which is the best way to make sure that it's not happening because well, it's 100% effective. When... But it did work. We, When I was there, no one was having sexual relationships with each other. However, after I left, two people mm-hmm. who I was there with um, had a relationship. And, and at that point, I was like, yeah, wait, <laughs> what? Why haven't people been doing yeah. that? Weird. And it's because... You were Their so control, brainwashed. Yeah. The control that they had over us was so fucking strong. I never would have even considered that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people had crushes and whatever, but like it was not happening. And so it's just like another way that our identities were squashed. And that's a time in your life too where you are sexual and you know you're kind of supposed to be exploring Mm -hmm. that and I think that it it is a a factor probably a pretty big factor in why it took me so long to sort of figure myself out Mm -hmm. with I mean I'm talking specifically about sexuality but also in general obviously but yeah that's just something I've been thinking about a little bit in terms of Montana and queerness and you know it being okay but also it it being not okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We just weren't allowed to be anything. We weren't allowed to be, I mean, we have personalities obviously like, and we had those, (laughs) but uh, some pretty big parts of our personalities and, and who we are as people were just not allowed to develop or grow or flourish in any way. Um, And I definitely think that queerness is one of those, one of those things, parts Mm -hmm. of, you know, our identities that was just sort of like swallowed for a while. So. Yeah. It's interesting how, I mean, they had their reasons and their justification, like they were being paid by your parents to basically save your life and get you clean and sober and change the trajectory of your lives that you were on. But it's the parallels between that and I mean, the history of oppression of women and control of women and Mm -hmm if they talk about certain things or if they get too close to people, then we call them witches and we burn them and we don't allow them to do yeah, yeah. certain things or be in groups. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, yeah. the parallels of the Republican party or some branches of the Republican party right now trying to control women's bodies. And mm-hmm. they would love to have the type of control that. Oh yeah. That's what that they your want. Counselors had. That's what they want. So I mean, when I they s- tell you, you can't be queer or you can't have control of your own body. Or, I mean, they didn't exactly say that. It wasn't. No, it wasn't, I'm talking about the people now that say those oh, things. Oh, they yeah, would love yeah. to have the type of the ability to actually have that work in this very but controlled I still, situation. I still think about like how did they have that much control over us? That's the I thing guess, that I. I guess because we were kids. One, yeah. Number one, we were kids. They also, it was very systematic in terms of how they, 
Like they always had about, you know, they had an, enough people that had been there long enough mm-hmm. that they were now the model student of right. the school. And and they treated them very well, which made them want to continue to be a model of the school. And so they, they I mean, they made us their minions, like seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why, because there was that peer pressure, but also like we were young and they were adults right. and we also had nowhere to go. Um, yeah, that's a big factor. That's one of the things that I had a hard time understanding are the first, I don't know, 20 years of our relationship basically is yeah like why why couldn't you just leave or you you could just tell them no fuck you i'm not doing that and <laughs> yeah you always I had could. that response you laughed at me like you just don't fucking get it and it was my mind could not comprehend a situation where you couldn't just that, do that and not have like severe consequences yeah yeah and part of that's just me being a white dude who's able to tell authority yeah, figures. That's exactly Fuck what that off, is. I'm not doing that. That's exactly but what But it's that also is. because you were isolated. You were in a place that was brainwashing you. They had a system mm-hmm. to break you down mm-hmm. and get you to comply. And turn us against each other. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Because when I think about, you know, like when Sarah was on, we talked about how because she wouldn't eat this mm-hmm. one food, we all had to go on. Right. Intervention. So we all moved into tents in the snow for like, I don't even know how long. I don't remember, a couple months. And she talked about how like at one point, like we were skiing out there and she just like threw down her skis or like sat down in the snow and nobody, like none of us took her side. We were all just pissed at her. Like get the fuck up because Mm -hmm. this is going to make everything worse for all of us. But now I think, damn it. Why didn't we all just sit down? Yeah. Because that is a really typical strategy for captors to use. Like, yep. I was just thinking, we need to have someone on to talk about a cult, cults, and like who's been people in that a cult? are kidnapped, or just like a psychologist who studies these things and the tactics that people use and how it affects people. You had to fall in line. Yep. And it's much easier to not sit down in the snow. Well, it's much easier because you because because you will be so severely punished. Mm-hmm. And not only by the staff, but by your fellow students. I mean, they just did that so well. Mm -hmm. That was their greatest tool against us was ourselves, I think. Pisses me off now. Really a lot. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, lots of stuff there. So if you're an expert in um, cult psychology. Well. Get at us. Well, let's not. Let's not. Well, okay. Let's At me on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. at Micah Shelton. Yep. Okay. Well, at never saw that pod. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're also on Instagram. At I never saw that. And we have a Facebook group that we haven't talked about in a while. We do have a Facebook group, but it's glorious and fun, and people are funny. It is a good place to discuss things. I would say that's that's the place where we have the most interaction about our show. So for sure, get on Facebook and look for I never saw that. Yeah, come join us. It's easy let to join. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think about... Just for example, like, let us know if you hate the comic segment. You know, like, just that's one thing. That's one example of a thing that you could say to us. Like, you if could. you felt like I it. I mean, that doesn't really make sense. I'm not able to... I don't know who would do that. But also, that's, if you're, you like, a black like queer woman and you want to be like, 
shut the fuck up. Stop you talking. You got it wrong. Shit that you don't no, know. No, and that's for real. That's for real. <laughs> yeah. Like if uh, we we do we remind people fairly often that we do want to hear from people if we if we get something wrong if we get out of our lane in a way that's uh, problematic. Please do let us know. And we don't mean if you feel like we got something wrong and Batman Forever is actually the greatest of the Batman films. Yeah, no. No, no. We don't want to hear that because that's nonsense. That's not. We mean if we're out of our lane and we interpreted something incorrectly or we like ascribed motivations and didn't understand what something was about, please let us know. Yeah, yeah. We would like to hear that and we will talk about it in a later episode and correct you, Micah. Myself. We'll correct Micah because it will be Micah. Yes. Um, we also I'm totally kidding. <laughs> something else we haven't talked about in a while. Um, we have a Patreon page. We sure do. Where you can become a supporter of I Never Saw That. Um, there's lots of different levels of support that you can give us. And we also love all our supporters that just spread the word and talk to their friends and promote the podcast for us. That's yeah. also a way to support us that's just as valid and appreciated. Um, but, but one thing that we were able to do yeah. because of our patrons, yes, our generous patrons, um, you may Thank have noticed you. the podcast sounds a little different the last couple episodes. We've been recording on some new equipment that's more portable and it's going to allow us to record in a lot more situations and places. Yeah, because we're also going to be in a lot of different places soon. Yes. I guess we shared that in our Facebook group. Um, but I don't we know. We might have it. listeners out there the who are not. Yeah. But yeah, we're we are actually planning to um, move into an RV and drive around the country for a year. No, I'm not joking. Yeah, we're really doing that um, because we um, don't like happiness <laughs> and we despise any sort of comfort. We joined a cult, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna seriously, be wearing no, Tommy no. Bahama shirts. We are soon. very, we are very excited about it. But and but hitting up the, all the KOAs. That's the reason why we wanted to buy this. Well, I've actually wanted to get a portable recording device for a long time, anyway. But it's going to be perfect um, for our big trip. We're super excited about it. So anyway, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. To thank our... you so much, patrons. Like yeah. we can't thank you enough for um, chipping in a little bit to this this uh, thing that we do that you enjoy and listen to thank you and we plan to continue to watch movies and listen to music and and talk about them i never saw that um and continue this i never saw that journey that we're on while we're on our road trip journey Um, it might change though we might i mean i don't know we might end up putting i never saw that on pause and doing something a little different different show but we will definitely be doing something yeah also I haven't mentioned this in a very long time, but I did pledge that I would get a tattoo mm-hmm. designed by a patron um, or patrons or a listener. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but if we get to 50 patrons, uh, I will get a tattoo that you all choose for me that it, that is related <laughs> to this podcast. So, I mean, just think about that. I'm hoping it's like Jordan I think Catalano, a portrait of Jordan Catalano uh, on your neck. Absolutely, if that's what you guys decide. Well, I don't think you all get to decide placement. Let's <laughs> let's not get too wild okay. with that part. But we'll do a series of Twitter polls. But I seriously polls. will. Uh, I will get a tattoo of your choice, patrons. Wow. So anyway, we I think, just have to get. But to we're 50 nowhere patrons. near that. We have. I mean, we have like 32. I think so. Yeah. It will be a while. But if you want to contribute to that. Go ahead. Tell your friends. Anyway, we've talked long enough about that. We love you. Thank you so much for listening to this bullshit. It's very good to be back. 
and we will try to continue to get back on a regular schedule. Okay, thanks to Graham McRae for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time. See you in the, the 90s. 90s.